Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast. My name is Eliza Gelman, and in this podcast, I will be bringing resources and stories for those looking to expand and elevate their lives, bringing you provocative interviews and conversations with leaders and innovators within the wellness, health, business, and self-improvement space every week. You will leave every single episode with tools, resources, and tips that you can implement directly into your life. Who doesn't love a good takeaway? If you look at yourself and what is who is looking back at you in the mirror does not reflect how you actually feel and how you want to show up in your life, you don't have to accept that. However, we do have to own the things that got us here, the behaviors, the habits, what we're avoiding. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. We have an amazing one for you today, guys. All right, today we have Atara Valentine on the podcast. If you haven't heard of Atara, which a lot of you may have, Atara Valentine is a neural manifestation coach. He's a hypnotherapist, and he's working within the leading manifestation brand to be magnetic. I first saw Atara when... I started following Lacey Phillips, who started to be magnetic, and I started listening to their podcast. And this was about a year, a little over a year ago. And I started following them on Instagram and started applying some of the things that they um, talked about through their social media, through my day to day life. And it just kind of made me open my eyes. And I'm telling you, this is someone that I genuinely reached out to selfishly because I just knew how much value he brought to the conversation. So, A little bit about Atara is he's a certified specialist in inner child healing, mental and emotional release therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, and weight loss. Throughout his own personal healing journey, Atara has developed a very grounded and practical approach to healing. He leaves his clients feeling empowered and regaining the trust within themselves. Atara's primary focus is self-worth and reclaiming authenticity through hypnosis, mental rehearsal, and cognitive disruption. This was so fucking cool. So Atara has created workshops around shadow work, relationships, trauma recovery, personal growth, and most recently he created To Be Magnetic Portals, The Extra Layers. And we're going to talk about that a little in the podcast today, but he provides free tools for comfort, healing, growth, using hypnosis and mental rehearsal to build worth from the inside out. So it's more of a subconscious approach in a gentle but effective way. So Atara works one-on-one with clients. He has hypnosis clients, manifestation clients, and he really gets to the deeper inner work. And what I love about Atara is he really does just, he really gets down to the point of there's only so much journaling you can do. There's only so much meditating that you can do. There's only so much outer work that you can do before doing the inner work. And Not only does he give us tangible takeaways, tangible tips on how to actually integrate some of these things into our lifestyle, but we talk a lot about weight loss. We talk about money. We talk about relationships, relationships within yourself, whether it's like childhood trauma, whether it's from a relationship, whether you are uh, around narcissists all the time. We kind of go everywhere on this topic, but I did want to talk a little bit about weight loss and Genuinely, I think that it's important to note that Atara has also struggled with 
eating disorders in the past. He has struggled with um, his own health journey and weight fluctuation and figuring out what really would work for him. And we don't go into specifics with him, but it is known on the podcast that he is speaking from experience. And that's kind of how he ended up specializing in this today. So he works with a lot of people who are at weight loss plateaus. He works with a lot of people who have really tried to figure out their weight loss journey and they've tried all these different diets and nothing really seems to work and he gets down to the nitty-gritty of what he typically sees within these people's minds Um, and then once you get through to that it really is just that's when that's when things will actually start to work for you once there's this block and um I do go through some anecdotes of clients that I have worked with who have really just found that, you know, maybe they'll lose a couple of pounds or, or they'll get a little closer to their goal, whatever that goal may be. And then they're like, okay, I did it. I, I know that I can kind of do it. So I'm going to stop there. It's almost like they're scared of their success or they, they're not sure what to do with themselves once they get the success or once they hit the goal that they had in mind. Right. So it's a really, really interesting episode. I am so excited for this. And Atara, he like comes through the screen. We were zooming and this was the first one that I really recorded with any type of true intention to have good quality video. So I'm going to put this up on YouTube as well. So if you're one of those people that likes to watch it on the YouTube app or while you're getting ready in the morning, highly recommend watching this one. It's very interactive. He definitely speaks with his hands. He's absolutely incredible. I cannot wait to meet him in person. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our guest today. Make sure you follow him on social and make sure that you have your notebook out. He leaves us with some bombs on this episode. You guys will absolutely love it. Welcome Atara Valentine. Well, Atara, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you? I'm very well. It's nice to be sitting across from you. And we both have so much greenery in the background. I don't know if people can see this or not, but. (laughs) I know you have such a lush background. You're in California, yes? Yeah. Where are you? I'm in Charleston. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a jungle right now. It's like 900% humidity. So it's everyone's slicking everything back. (laughs) Yeah. I, I grew up in North Carolina for a few years. Um, I, I don't think you knew that. I actually don't even know if, if you can believe that. Um, wherever the really big marine base is, that's where I lived for like two years or three years. Um, was it like a beach town? I don't I was so small. I have so many vivid memories, like my first kiss and like <laughs> like nursery school and stuff like that. But um, I have to actually ask my mom because I say it all the time. People are like, where'd you live? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> you just name, name a small town. Yeah. That's so funny. I grew up in, and was born and raised in North Carolina as well. So maybe we cross paths. Yes. Um, so before we jump into everything that we're going to get into today, I want to hear a little about how you grew up. Tell us a quick uh, intro. Tell us about your childhood and how you got into manifestation, how it found you, and then how you ended up being a manifestation coach. Yeah, so I hope everyone has five hours. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'll, I'll nutshell a lot of this. But basically, it's, it's really interesting because how I grew up, we had a really nice life. There was a lot of trauma, emotional upset in my house, physical abuse, things like this. But we 
had so many periods of safety and my grandparents were just such a safe haven and so amazing to us. My mom is so strong. And even with all the turmoil we went through, she always somehow gave us a foundation that felt steady. Um, and we just kind of grew up thinking that was normal and that's what life was. And obviously I, um, I dealt with a lot of issues around my sexuality, was bullied before I even identified as anything. And to be honest, I still don't identify as anything. So I really feel like that's more for other people's benefit than it is for my own. But, um, but it was interesting because there, I had a lot of turmoil growing up and a lot of tension around me all the time. And then I had internal tension with my identity once all of this stuff was being projected onto me. And we didn't really grow up in a way where we were affectionate with each other. Still, if you hug people in my family, like they almost act like you're going to like pick their pocket or something. <laughs> but, um, but we all have a lot of love for each other. And weirdly through the whole process of life, we've become one of the most normal families that are out there. like after this big story that we've lived, but we kind of moved around a little bit when I was little never really had, felt like I had my people, never really felt a part of anything. Um, when we lived in North Carolina, we lived in a trailer park. We were, it was us and a couple other Marines who lived there, but it was predominantly African-American and we were the only white people in there. And so like, that's how I grew up and that's what I was used to. And then we moved to New Jersey and all of a sudden it was just all white people. And I'm Hispanic. So it, it was just kind of, a, I never was around Hispanic people though. I didn't understand it, right? And my dad and my mom were divorced and I wasn't really close with that part of the family. And it wasn't until I was a little older that I really kind of understood kind of what their values were and how they saw the world. And, but again, I wasn't accepted into that either because they were so the Puerto Rican family where four generations are living in one kind of compound and they're all very involved in each other's lives. And again, we were always kind of the outsiders because my dad was the only person who kind of married out of that. All of his brothers and sisters speak Spanish. He doesn't, right? We just, just had a very like uh, just average middle-class upbringing. And it was just very different from them where they were eating like rice and gondoles and making all these things and doing salsa dancing in the kitchen while they're cooking food. And, you know, and, but it was exciting to kind of step into that. But what I just kind of felt very early on was that I didn't belong anywhere, right? None of the environments that I lived in, I did I belong in. My mom got remarried when I was two years old and my stepdad just always, put everything onto me. Any time that there was a problem, somehow it had to do with me, even though I was a very quiet, like loving, kind kid, but I wasn't his kid. And when he had my little brother, he was kind of the star of the family. I was the middle child. My sister was the achiever and I kind of just kind of faded into the background and spent a lot of time on my own. And made a lot of really great friendships that kind of got me through my life. And that was really the first time when I connected with friends and connected with music when I was maybe around 10 years old that I started really understanding emotion. Because the only emotion that I really understood was kind of the feeling of feeling safe, 
And I felt that when I would see my grandparents and when I would leave their house, I would hysterically cry and like cry for them. And I didn't know why, because my house was just my house, right? But I knew it felt very different from that. But then uh, the friends that I made, who are, many of them are still my friends to this day, you know, 30 something years later, um, we all grew up very similarly with parents who were addicts and narcissistic and domestic violence in the household and uh, not being the child of the person who was raising us and kind of the people who were left of center in school. So in that process, I really started to understand who I was. Mm-hmm. And it, led, it just led me on this journey to kind of leave that place. And all of my friends ended up getting out. Um, the, the people that I've stayed in touch with, sadly, a lot of the people I grew up with, because there was a whole opioid crisis in New Jersey, as well as a heroin problem and just, just lots of drugs. A lot of people I went to school with are dead from heroin overdoses. And, um, and I don't take for granted one moment that very easily could have been me as well. But fortunately, all of the tension and all of the being left out and being made to feel bad and being made to feel out of place was the thing that saved me from that because they didn't want me. So I had to kind of find another place to go and I used that as motivation and it absolutely changed my life. So I started on this journey when I was a teenager, I kind of bought every religious and spiritual book that I could from Barnes and Noble and the Ocean County Mall in Tom's River, New Jersey. (laughs) And I bought a Hare Krishna book. I bought a Buddhism book. I bought a Kabbalah book. I bought a Christianity book, even though we were raised Catholic. Um, And I just was really interested in learning. And I started doing yoga literally at like 11 years old. Um, still can't touch my toes, but, um, because I'm very inconsistent with it, but I, I understood that there was a bigger world than Bayville, New Jersey, where I was living and yeah. And it just took me on this journey to just kind of step out of my comfort zone. And I used that as my drive and in that process went down this road of personal development. Um, I am a musician and I've been a musician my whole life. And obviously that has its own set of issues and mental health um, problems that that creates with what that industry was like. And I was definitely thrown through the ringer with that. And it got to a point where I completely lost myself because people would always be like, oh, you're this and you're a star and you're going to have this and I can do this for you. But nothing would ever happen. And I, I believed that when I first started, but as the feedback coming in was constantly showing me I wasn't good enough, I was too gay, or I wasn't gay enough, or I was too androgynous, or not androgynous enough, or not feminine enough, or not masculine enough, or not alternative enough, but too pop, but not pop enough. It was just always something meant that I wasn't enough. And I started to believe it, and I started changing what I was doing, and how I wrote songs, and all of these things. And um, just, it was a major disservice that I did to myself because I I never had that programming installed thinking I could decide that I was good enough. Right. I got, I, I, my motivation was I always just wanted to get away from something that felt bad and I'm going to show them and I'm going to prove a point. But what happens is when you get far enough away from that motivation, you don't know how to continue forward. And 
that's what really made me get into this work. And through that process, I've, I mean, I've done 9 million things. I mean, you list it, I've done it. Um, and while there were some golden nuggets of inspiration, most of the time I just found myself feeling trapped or stuck or without option because the things that people were telling me to do, I didn't even understand how to start. Right. So with to be magnetic, I had been on a pretty solid foundation for a little bit. Was Can deciding you explain what what that means? Like, what would that what would that foundation look like for? Yeah. So for me, I got to the point where I really started focusing on myself and making myself happy. I started a meditation practice. I started a journal practice. I started weeding out friends that didn't make me feel good, or or that I allowed myself to be associated with and not allow myself to feel the way that I wanted to because I thought for whatever reason I needed them in my life when I didn't. Um, I just started really editing things out and trying to take accountability for, okay, these are the patterns that keep showing up. It's not a coincidence at this point. This is happening every time I meet people or every time I get an opportunity. So what is my part in this? And I really started kind of dissecting that. And I mean, read every possible book you could imagine on shadow, on inner child, on whatever else. (laughs) And um, then I came to California after not living here for 17 years because I lived here when I was in college and I hated it. And I was in New York and my husband kept traveling here and he was like, you, you have to come. I really want to move there. And I was like, no, I don't want to. And it was just so dark when I lived there and I was just avoiding it. Very. Yeah. And and at that point, I didn't really understand what to do with triggers except to avoid them. Right. And so that's what I did. And um, so he finally convinced me to go out and we came out here and we stayed with one of his friends, who's a very good friend of mine now. And she at that time, we just weren't connected. She's the kind of person, if you know her and you get close to her, she's such an amazing friend. But if you don't know her, she, she won't go out of her way to make you feel comfortable if you're uncomfortable, right? So she was way more um, ahead of the game than I was being raised to be so codependent. I feel someone uncomfortable, what can I do? What can I do? Do I need to be entertaining? Do I need to, right? And like, she just had no interest in it, right? So which, we- Which am- being around someone who's so confident and self-secure as an, unconfident person is to the max like the worst situation you can be in but totally situation you need to be in yeah 100 percent. and but what was interesting is because in a moment every single thing that could have triggered me did and all of my automatic behaviors were coming up because my husband who can be very outspoken said something about a mutual friend that they had and i spoke up in the friend's defense saying why they might not trust him with things, right? Because of how he comes across to people at times. And she kind of just, even though what I was saying was completely gentle and true, she kind of took it like, who are you to even talk about this person who is our friend and not your friend? But I also knew this person. And I was like, well, I'm just sharing stuff that she personally shared with me, right? So it was just this thing, but she was just so dismissive. And I got so upset and I was in the bathroom and I was in a ball in the the bathroom crying. I didn't have a car. I felt so trapped and stuck and I felt like a child again. You were like so close to tears at the table. You were like, I have to Oh, I started crying at the table. 
Uh, and I got up and I went to the bathroom for 15 minutes and I was looking at rental cars and how can I just get out of there? And I came back and she wouldn't even like look at me. And I'm like, my eyes are like swollen shut. I was crying. So, I mean, it really brought so much stuff up. <laughs> and my husband was like, you guys need to figure this out because you're one of my best friends and this is my husband and this is not going to work. And right. And he kind of really jumped in. And what was interesting is the next day we made up that night. We just talked and kind of talk things through and shared our perspectives. And then the next morning she was like, oh, I've been doing this thing, you should try it. And it was called Free Native at that time. And she put on the Magnetic Self DI, which is basically our proprietary audios. They're called Deep Imaginings. And it's basically a, a guided hypnosis, right? That, that you go on in a journey using imagery to kind of connect with different pieces in your subconscious. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, it was interesting because we did this one and it was all about seeing yourself in your full magnetism and then going through and seeing the childhood that you needed and giving yourself the things that you didn't receive. And I was like, whoa, there is so much here. There's so much that I rationalized with my family, like that no one came to my high school graduation. Nobody came to my college graduation, convinced me that I didn't need to go to my college graduation. Like, and I didn't. And I was the first family person in my family to ever go to college, right? Oh wow! And and just uh, and and went on scholarship, mind you, right? So it, it was just interesting. So I'm like, wow, like I've never been taught to value myself, and even this mo the moments where I should have been really proud, I felt like I was an inconvenience to people for being me, right? Mm. So I just had this flood of tears. And what was so ironic is, even though I kind of ticked all the boxes of, you know, reading about this and reading about that. Like I wasn't really implementing things. And when I hit that, I was just like, there's something here. And I was the person who someone would be like, oh, that's my inner child and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, like get a fucking grip. You're 50 years old, like your inner child, like, right. And of course it's where all of my work was. Right. And so it's really interesting because just going through that process, I just started sharing my experience on my social media and tagging the brand. And then Jessica, who hosts the podcast, and I talked back and forth a little bit on Instagram. Lacey and I talked back and forth a little bit on Instagram. And then I like made a joke one day to Jessica in a DM. And then 24 hours later, they gave me an offer to come on and be a coach. And now, yeah, and now I'm booked out four months in advance. And it's just, you're living Absolutely. this like abundant lifestyle. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a gift. And I just so believe in this work and the change that it can create in people. And it just really propelled me to this other place where now I've got my certifications in hypnotherapy, post-traumatic stress disorder, inner child healing, neuro-linguistic programming, mental and emotional release therapy, trauma recovery, um, and weight, weight loss, loss as well. And it's just, and now I'm working on one also for um, immune disorders um, because my husband, um, sadly, we just found out that his cancer is back. So I'm gonna develop a whole program for him to kind of get into the subconscious and help with the healing and um, to some of our friends who are suffering with things as well right now. But I'm what so a gift. I'm so to hear that about Kevin. Yeah, it's this is the third time this has happened in the past few years. So we're really armed and prepared for it. And now fortunately I have even more tools to support him besides just holding space for him. And um, it's going to be totally fine, but Amazing. thank you.
Well, I'll be thinking about him. We will all be thinking about him. Thank and you. Um, well, you mentioned a lot about the work. So we talk about this on the podcast. We've, we've been introducing more, um, not just, I don't even want to say this is a spiritual subject because it may, it may approach and show up as a spiritual subject. But I think in the end, when we're talking about like um, neural manifestation and neural pathways and things like that, it's a lot of science-based information and knowledge and, and participation. So when you talk about the work, um, a lot of people may think of manifestation as just, you know, you wish and you pray and you affirm and you say like, I am this person and that's, that's amazing. And that's great. Can you explain exactly what is manifestation and then what, what might work look like just to start people off, just not to dive fully in, but give people a taste of what is manifestation and a little bit of that first work. Yeah, so first thing I want to say is I am not woo-woo at all, at all. I don't even, I mean, I don't even throw the word the universe around because that's just not who I am. Um, I, all, I don't take away from anybody else who uses that terminology because I do think it's a great way to describe the interconnectivity of the world and what's going on. But I know personally, I don't have that answer. I don't know what that thing is, so I don't speak on it. I just know how I show up and how things show up in my life. So regardless of whether you believe in manifestation or not, you're manifesting constantly. And all that means is that you are attracting things toward you. You're creating opportunity. Opportunities are showing up. You get to decide if you take them, you don't, whatever. So you can decide if you want to have an awareness around it or if you want to feel like your life is just happening to you. And so essentially the difference between our manifestation process, which we call neural manifestation versus the process of think positive and positive things will come like the secret and the law of attraction and, you know, write this sentence of what you want 50 times before you go to sleep and it will happen. Like it won't. Yeah. Right. Do, do I think that's completely pointless? No, I think anything, anything that makes people sit down for a moment and be internal is worth their time. However, if you're looking for real change, that's not really the way to do it. So with our manifestation process, essentially Lacey, who started the company, came up with a formula that she noticed throughout her own life of how she was manifesting. And we've now packaged everything into a membership and it's a monthly fee. And essentially what it is, is you come through and you learn how to manifest. That's the first portal. And it goes through the process of what that looks like, how you craft a list, what kind of the trials and tribulations you may go through, what the process is and how you have to show up throughout that to manifest. So once you get the basis of that, then the first thing we focus on is unblocking. And basically what that means is figuring out what is in your subconscious, which is really where our values and our belief system lives, to figure out what is in there that is not supporting all of the decisions that you're trying to actively make for yourself. What is in your subconscious that might be disrupting or holding you back from the growth that you're seeking, right? And so what we do is we do an inner child workshop where you go through and you you reprogram events so that you have that internal structure and support that you can now as an adult go and give yourself. And when we're in theta brainwaves, which is what we're accessing in hypnosis, your mind does not know the difference between fantasy and reality. 
So you're not going in and erasing memories. You're basically just going in and you're taking all of the charge out of the emotions that you have attached to certain events that may not even be true, right? That's just how we remember things, the general feeling. So we go in and we change that feeling and we give ourselves that support system that we needed so that we can achieve the things that we want now. So that would be the, the first step of unblocking. And then from there, we have a shadow workshop and in the shadow workshop, you basically go in and you address all of your shame. You start really taking inventory on where it's showing up in your life through social masks, right? Through showing up a way that you think you need to in order for people to like you and really unpacking why you feel the need to do that. And you look into the judgments you have on other people to see what the pieces of them that that are so triggering to you may be rejected within yourself, right? And how totally. to... Reclaim these pieces and integrate them. And then from there, we have a money workshop, a love workshop. We have one for relationships. We have one for rock bottoms, for ruts, for up levels. It's really a beautiful um, process for anybody. And the work is constant. And that's really the idea with manifestation. Our perspective on manifestation is magnetism, the law of attraction are literally high self-worth, but not high self-worth from an egoic state where I'm great and I'm going to tell everyone I'm great. That's rooted actually in nothing. And we actually feel really shameful and bad about ourselves. It's subconscious self-worth. And we know now with neuroplasticity and all the studies that the brain isn't fully developed at 18 years old and we're not just stuck there forever, right? Which people believed for a long time that the brain is malleable and it can constantly grow and change and shift and so can our behaviors. And that's what we're doing here is giving people a platform to allow them to get into the things in their mind that were put in there by somebody else and change them so that they feel aligned with the things that they're consciously trying to create for themselves in their lives. And I think it's also, we should note that, and I feel this way, is that there might be certain times in your life, not just when you're a child, but maybe as you're in your adolescence or you're a young adult, whatever, where you have intense experiences that are happening and you can have triggers created just just in those times that you had no idea were ever going to happen. So even as an adult, we're still creating triggers. So it's not always, is it always from a, a, your childhood? Not necessarily. I think, I think the feeling is always from your developmental times, right? But I do think we constantly learn as we grow and we put ourselves into different situations, we experience different triggers, but how we see ourselves in the world is developed when we're a child. Mm -hmm. right yeah. our internal representation of ourself all of that programming is put in when we're growing up and the reason that we're so susceptible to it is because it's not until we're eight or nine years old that we really start developing our critical faculties or our conscious mind so all of the influence that we have around us whether it's our primary caretaker secondary caretaker siblings friends teachers the socioeconomic status of the town we grow up in right what success is what failure is where's the glass ceiling for success what makes someone pretty what makes someone slutty what makes someone prude what makes right all of this stuff we're just hearing seeing experiencing around us and we learn, oh, that's good, that's bad, okay, I can't do this just through the experience. We can't critically think at that time. We literally don't have the brain capacity to even do that. So that just goes in and that creates what I like to call our subconscious life script 
or our belief system, our subconscious belief system. And within that, we develop associations, positive associations and negative associations. So if we think of someone, let's say, someone who grew up in a narcissistic household, we know that that parent who's a narcissist is taking up probably 90% of the emotional bandwidth in the house. Everybody's there to please them. Oh, when they're this, we need to do this because they like it when I'm funny. When they're like this, I need to be invisible so I don't get in trouble. When they're this, I right? So we get all of this programming and then that stays in there. So we can get a job 30 years later and have a boss who, you know, might go a little this way and then a little this way with no explanation. And it will trigger that response that we need to change who we are to satisfy this person because that is in our programming. Does that make sense? And, yes. and within those associations, just because something's called positive and something's called negative, doesn't mean that that's still true. At the time, that's how the association developed, right? So in that situation, a child who grows up with a parent like that or even a parent with substance abuse issues will have a positive association to people pleasing because that's how they receive love. They'll have a negative association to their individuality, right? Because when they're on their own, they don't get any of the attention that they need. They may have a positive association to not being seen or being invisible because that means they don't get in trouble. But they might have a negative association around using their voice because if they actually speak up for themselves, the parent doesn't like that, right? Especially if it's in conflict with, they, with what they believe. Mm-hmm. So we go our whole life and we see so much of this with people who feel disempowered. The workplace, like people say relationships are a great mirror. Your workplace is the best mirror because there's that authoritative person. And usually people project their relationship with that parent that they had the dysfunction with onto their boss. And I see that more than anything else when I'm in session with people is that there's this fear like your boss is here and you're here and it puts us in this adolescent mindset and we start having all that stuff come up from our subconscious. So Jesus, that's yeah. so true. And I, I completely experienced that. And as soon as I recognized it, it was within like six months that I left. I, and it wasn't, again, it does not make this person a bad person. It just brought up things that didn't resonate with me and I couldn't figure out how to, how to figure it out. And I was like, Oh, better off being my own boss, which I do believe I am, but it's just, whoa, the realization is very deep. And once you do realize it, it brings up a lot of other, uh, a lot of other instances within your life where you're like, Oh, I missed out on this because I allow this trigger to basically put me back into my people pleasing suit that I wear. And so you mentioned a lot about, okay, so you mentioned substance abuse and you mentioned a narcissistic household. I'd like to talk about one of your other expertises also with weight loss. I think that since I work with people so often and whether or not it's weight loss, it could just be, um, prioritizing their gut health, making sure they're like pooping regularly, making sure whatever it is, weight loss is typically a byproduct of a healthy lifestyle. Um, Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to talk about and figure out is what are some things that you see with clients who are struggling with plateaus, weight loss plateaus, and this could be two pounds. This could be, um, you know, I've had clients who have said that they're trying to get pregnant and their doctors recommend that they lose a certain amount of weight in order to be on a healthy scale. Um, And all of these things end up creating a lot of blocks for them. Mm -hmm. And I hear a lot of the time I have my clients say, I'll always say, when are some times in your life when you have given up? And they'll look at that. And typically it's, it's when they get a taste of success that people typically 
give up. So if we're using weight loss as an option, whether it's for health, aesthetics, um, what are some things that you see coming up that might resonate with people listening? If that's either maybe a parent or them or a child, what are some things that may come up um, as a block for someone who's working on weight loss? Yeah, so I mean, so much on this. And I just want to just preface before I even speak on this, because whether there's video or not, like I'm a healthy, in shape guy. And I just want to clarify before people make a judgment, because I'm, I'm going to speak very directly on this, that I've been at every, at every end with weight issues possible. I've been over, overweight by 80 pounds of what I am now. I've been bulimic. I've been anorexic. I've been addicted to exercise. I've been all over the map. So I fully know what I'm speaking on completely outside of my certifications. Before I even had my certifications, I knew what I was speaking on, okay? So where I wanna go with this is this. For most people, when they do have those last 10, 15 pounds that they can't lose, it's, I found more times than not, always emotional. When it comes to larger issues, when people start losing weight, weight is a really hard thing because there's so much priority, there's so much attention put on it and we make it such a priority and we make it the focal point. But like you said, and this is my full belief, and this is just the truth also, folks, so let's not kid ourselves here. Weight is a byproduct of a bunch of other things. Your emotional health, your physical activity, the food that you're eating, whether or not you have some kind of physiological thing happening with your, within your body, right? Some people have thyroid issues. That's a real thing that happens. There's so many factors that go into your weight. And people spend all of their time, energy, and attention focusing on the weight and not focusing on the factors that got them there in the first place. So the first thing that I do when I work with people, because this is really important because it's really easy to distort like, oh my God, I'm this weight and that means I'm not worthy because this person looks like this and this. And it's like, we're just comparing ourselves and just actually feeding all of the things that got us to this place probably to begin with right? Versus really looking at people and getting into the mindset. And this is really how I work with people. I don't, I'm not into counting calories. I'm not into, let's do, look at your macros and all this stuff. I don't, I I think people can do that if they want to. I think it's so much more emotional and it comes from the fact that people don't trust themselves. They don't have the tools that they need to trust themselves. They don't think they're smart enough to do this. They need an expert opinion in order to be successful. They can't rely on themselves. They always fail. This is all the stuff that comes up for people. And so it's really important to look at these factors. And when we do see people, instead of being triggered by them, ask ourselves, how does this person show up in their life compared to how I do? How does this person eat compared to how I eat? How does this person do physical activity compared to how I do physical activity? How does this person talk to themselves versus how I talk to to myself, right? All of these different things will start give us little clues on where, where we are not showing up how we need to for our own growth. So that's number one. As far as plateaus go, let's talk about motivation because that's something that's really important here. The problem is, a lot of people have really shitty motivation. I think we all struggle with that, yep. And this is a conversation I have with my mom and she's going to totally hate that I'm having this because she's like, I don't remember that. 
but, and she doesn't, but I do. And you could ask anybody else in my house and they do as well. Growing up, my mom was never overweight. My mom was just average, right? Like just normal. And something would happen where all of a sudden it would be like, oh, I'm so fat. That's it. Starting tomorrow, no food. Diet starts tomorrow. Diet starts tomorrow. Right? And she'd like grab her stomach or something like that in front of us. Which is, is that a great... Un- unfortunately pretty common. Yeah. It's yeah. very common. Right? That's the first thing we all do. What do we put on our jeans? Oh, what's hanging over? Right? It's... This, this is the way that we see ourselves. But and we, then we look at that and we judge it. We're not looking at what got us here though, right? So anyways, my mom did that. Is that a great motivation? Let's just start there. No. No, how come? Because it's not sustainable and it, it doesn't fix the root issue. And right. It's not and really getting you anywhere. It's just kind of, it's just negative self-talk. That's how I see it. Right, and if you have anger and disgust toward yourself, are you going to change? 100%. However, the reason it isn't effective is because the motivation is bad. And this is what we kind of talked about for a little bit before we came on here, right? Yeah. So in neurolinguistic programming, we have this thing called a directional filter. Some people have a toward filter, some people have an away from filter. And I like to take this idea and I like to push it toward motivation and goals. Who is going to be more successful? Someone with an away filter or a toward filter? Toward. Right. And I'm going to explain why. Because when we have an away from filter. Quick interruption to talk about today's show sponsor, Organifi. You have heard me talk about them before. If you follow me on Instagram, you have seen me using their greens powder when I travel. You see me using their probiotics and, of course, their protein powder. I've been using their vanilla protein powder probably three times per week. I'll either do it in like a hot elixir for a more like thick tea that keeps me full in the middle of the day, or I'll use it in my smoothie like I did this morning, or I'll just shake it up with water if I'm coaching clients or something like that. Um, And I just need something to sip on that's not going to make me super full and I'm not going to have to chew and I'm not going to have to have anything in my teeth as I snack throughout the day in front of people, obviously. So What I love about Organifi is that not only do they use organic ingredients, but they prioritize having no glyphosate. So glyphosate is a chemical, it is actually a known carcinogen, and it can be in a ton of mass-produced crops. And it's something that seeps into our breads, it seeps into a ton of store-bought products that we buy all the time. And I don't think brands are doing a good enough job at really prioritizing eliminating some of these chemicals and carcinogens. And that's why I really appreciate Organifi. Not only is it the best flavor protein I've ever used, but it's also the easiest to mix and you get a giant tub of it. So it is the most cost effective. It is the most flavorful and overall highest quality protein powder that I have ever used. You know, I wouldn't put anything on the podcast if I didn't personally use it myself, right? So when you are on Organifi, make sure you're using the code HTH and you can get 20% off of all products. So far, I've gotten some feedback from people and listeners of the podcast and they have all tried the greens powder. They've tried the red juice powder and they have also tried the protein If you're going to prioritize one, if you just want to try out the products, highly recommend the protein, right? Try the vanilla. I like to do it with blueberries, mango, cinnamon, spinach, and banana in the morning. That's what I did today. I've stayed full. It balances blood sugar by having a good amount of protein in there. And overall, having a complete plant-based protein 
protein that doesn't have any BS ingredients is something that I think that we can all get on board with, right? We don't need any more like cookie dough, cake batter, blast bullshit ingredients. Let it be simple. Let it be natural. Let it be organic. And let it be something that comes straight to your door. You can use it in so many versatile ways in baking and drinking throughout the day and just in your smoothies in the morning take the guesswork out of your protein, especially if you're focused on a plant dominant lifestyle. Use the code HTH at checkout on Organifi.com for 20% off of all products. Again, that is code HTH at checkout. Imagine a line and far to the left is where you are feeling disgusted in yourself. And far to the right is someone who's actually living in their authentic body. And I say authentic body because that doesn't mean it's skinny or muscular or whatever else. It's their authentic body that naturally shows up the way it's supposed to because they're feeding it properly, they're moving it properly, they're speaking to it properly, they're taking care of it so it is taking care of them. Okay, that's all the way at the other end of the spectrum. So with this example, when someone says, I'm so disgusting, diet starts tomorrow. That's an away from goal because it's based in rejection, fear, disgust, right? And we wanna move away from that feeling because they didn't feel like that a week earlier when their body was doing the same thing. That feeling just grew as they started noticing maybe their stomach going over their pants when they're sitting down and then they gave meaning to it and they have this really hatred feeling toward themselves. So they wanna get away from that as soon as possible. So what do they do? They went from their normal behaviors and patterns to all of a sudden, I grew up in the 80s, the grapefruit diet. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, right, you have a grapefruit for breakfast, you have a grapefruit for lunch, you have cottage cheese as a snack, and then you have like a little sad dinner. So they do something extreme. Are they going to lose weight quickly? Yes, they are, right? Really fast, right? They, They do this for two weeks, maybe they drop like five pounds, seven pounds, then they're over here right? So they're not even at a halfway point. There may be a third or a quarter forward on that line. So what happens then? They no longer feel disgusting or whatever the words are they used to describe themselves. So they stop for a multitude of reasons. One, have you ever met someone who only eats grapefruits their whole life and is still alive? or if they like even have teeth from all the citric acid, right? Right. <laughs> so, right? So they can't sustain that. So they have to go back to eating. In this process, they've learned nothing. They haven't educated themselves. Their relationship to food didn't change. Their emotional relationship to food didn't change. So they go back to eating the way that they always did. So what happens? They take a few steps back on that line. Then what happens? They're feeling lethargic again because they're eating foods that aren't working for their body. So then they stop exercising. Then they go back a few steps again, and then they hit back that point. And she's like, oh, that's it. Diet starts tomorrow. I'm this. They do something else extreme. Then they get to that quarter mark. Then they go back. Then they do something else extreme. They get to that quarter mark. They go back. That's what yo-yo dieting is. And the problem with it is there's no good motivation. So let's pause there for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then let's make up another scenario with somebody who goes to their doctor and the doctor says, Eliza, you are very unhealthy. You're borderline diabetic, you have high blood pressure, you are high risk for a stroke and a heart attack, and you are not gonna be here to see your kids 
two years from now if you don't change this? Obviously, there's a lot of fear there. Mm -hmm. That's away from. However, what happens when that person goes home? If it really registered, they sit at the table for dinner with their kids. They look around. They see the image potentially in their mind in a snapshot, sometimes without even realizing, of them being dead with their kids looking at them at their funeral. They look at the table, it makes them sad, and they make a decision for themselves. That's it. I'm dropping this weight. I want to be here to run around with my kids. I want to be here to see them get married. I want to be the kind of father that Jim is down the street who's able to play with them and not get winded. I want to be here for my wife. And I'm going to run a marathon in a year from now. Who's going to succeed in their goal? That person or the person who just says the away from? Definitely not the yo-yo dieter. Right. And how come? Because... This person has a little away from, we need that. We should all have things we definitely do not want to happen, but that should only be about 20%. 80% should be toward because when we get that initial movement from the fear, that's when we need our other motivation to kick in to take us to the finish line. And as we're slowly progressing and someone goes, oh, come on, Bob, or you know, whoever, Eliza, because I used to, come on, Eliza, you're doing so good. Just eat this piece of cake. Come on, just celebrate. You're gonna say to yourself, I have that picture of how I want to look, how I want to feel, how I want to show up. Have I hit that yet? No. So no, thank you. I don't need that. And you walk past it. And then when you get to that year and you run your marathon, you don't care if you're in first or last place because you achieved your goal and there's an exit from that strategy and you exit that and then you make a new goal. And mm -hmm. that's how we effectively want to lose weight. And in hypnosis, that's what we do. We really get people to see themselves. We create that picture. We create that motivation. We put the tools in their subconscious. We don't even talk about changing diet or food or anything like that. For the first four weeks, you keep eating how you are. We reframe things slightly because a lot of time people's blood sugar isn't stable and that's what actually causes them to go up and down, totally. right? And then when they go up and down, they tend to eat something that's bad. So we want them to break their food up in smaller windows so that they're constantly being fueled and not overproducing insulin. But mm -hmm. most of it is internal. It's about creating that internal momentum and motivation. And that's how you achieve your goal. And I, I love these two examples. And what I usually tell my clients in the beginning of our, when they first sign up with me, spoiler alert, but we, we analyze how would you describe yourself walking into a room to a room full of strangers? And then in six months from now, how do you, how do you describe yourself walking into a room full of strangers? And I will tell you, nobody ever talks about gene size. Nobody ever talks about, um, no. you know, like acne or anything like that, or bloat. They'll talk about confident. They talk about, um, you know, they feel intelligent, they feel worthy, they feel excited, they feel energized and always has to do with those bigger picture things that, that they, they look in, I, I've heard some of the to be magnetic um, episodes and they talk about expanders. And so you look at these expanders of these other people who you almost want to emulate and you're like, what are they doing? And it's a lifestyle adjustment. And I think you're so right that it is this, it's long-term and it's, if you yeah. feel the longer it takes you, not that you have to be at a snail's pace always, it's nice to have some momentum, but the slower and more sustainable weight loss is going to be the more sustainable weight loss. It's going to be consistent and it will last. And it, because it takes while to, 
you know, ingrain these new pathways to ingrain these new habits. And if you're just like bypassing all these things, then here you are, you're just, you're, you're going to just be sitting in these exact same situations as you always have been. Um, and I think that that's so important to see is that it, it really is a yo-yo diet and it doesn't, I think that a lot of times we label yo-yo dieting as something like the grapefruit diet, like the mm-hmm. At- Atkins or keto or whatever. But a lot of the time it could be something as small as I'm eliminating alcohol or I'm eliminating sugar or I'm doing low mm-hmm. carb. It could be something very, very broad so that mm-hmm. it see it doesn't seem like a diet. They're like, it's just a lifestyle decision. You know, I'm just cleansing. I'm just cleaning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but you're not going to be able to do that forever. You're not going to always, totally. you know, so it's just these little, little, little bits that 80, 20 is so huge. Yeah. And another thing, just because I just want to talk about this also, because we're in a very confusing time for people where it's so hard with media because we see one thing and it's like, this is the beauty standard, right? And in the 90s in particular, early 90s, early 2000s, when anorexia was like running rampant across everything, like everyone on Friends like had an eating disorder at one point, allegedly, right? But we see the difference in their body types. We see like all of the female stars of all the sitcoms were literally skeletal, right? And and if you look, there was a whole, all of the top series through that period, whether you go through them um, without getting myself into too much trouble, you can see that, that the female lead looked like she had an eating disorder, right? And that was very toxic for a lot of people. And now I think we're in this other space where we are starting in media to have more diversity, more body types and things like that. But I think it's still confusing for people because we hear so much of this, love your body, love yourself just as you are. And people I meet with are like, I can't, but I can't. And it's another thing that makes them feel bad. And I say to them, You don't have to. Yeah. If you look at yourself and what is, who is looking back at you in the mirror does not reflect how you actually feel and how you want to show up in your life. You don't have to accept that. However, we do have to own the things that got us here, the behaviors, the habits, what we're avoiding, And that's so much of what this work is, right? With with how I work with people on this front, because some people have a really hard time with this. No, 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 it's not. I do this and I I, I, I am doing everything and they'll get defensive for a moment. But then I have to say, okay, well, if, and this is without judgment, honestly, if you have the answers for this, then you don't need me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Something has to change. Right. And of course they always come back and then we can really get into what the problem is because food is not the problem. You have to like disarm it first. Yeah. And we'll start talking about what food is for them. And a lot of times when we do start taking things away and we make people look at their emotions, food is the biggest numbing behavior that people use right? Because Uh it's so easy to get such a positive association to food also because you have this big dopamine rush and the reward of having something because for many of us, that is how 
our programming was installed around food. Happy birthday, here's a sugary cake. Oh, you were a good girl, let's go for ice cream. Oh, you got a good grade, here's a cookie. Or, right? oh, you had a bad day, here's or, a oh, you Exactly, you know? or you had a bad day, so you get more dessert tonight, whatever. So Or like you go to mom's house, so you can have, you know, you'll have some healthier food, but if you go to dad's house, you'll get like the sugary cereal, so. Right, or you go to grandma's who gives you everything and lets you be who you are and you always get dessert at grandma's. So when we hit this low, that's what we look for because that's what we learned is the medicine to it. And there's, and the thing is, there's nothing wrong with that. That helped so many people through their lives. It got them to where they are to sit across from me in this moment. And there's no judgment. I've been there myself. However, what we do have to start looking at is what are you trying to numb yourself away from? Because a lot of times people don't even know. It's just become a tool that they completely unconsciously go to as soon as they start overloading their conscious mind, right? And that's what happens. We overload our conscious mind. We can't critically think anymore. Even though we know something's not good for us, we can't process that. The subconscious takes over and is like, we need ice cream. Come on, let's do it. So when we start unpacking that, it can be really hard for people sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I've had someone cry with me in session when we started talking about this. And I said, how would you feel I said, I'm not going to take this away from you because this is important to you right now. But how would you feel if we just took a pause from the moment that you get that hit to go grab the ice cream and eating it? What if we just disrupted that process for a moment? I gave you a tool to go use to get back in your body. And then you came back and you consciously decided if that's what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And this person started crying and she said, well, I first asked, why are you crying? And she said, because my numbing behaviors are my friends. Mm-hmm. She didn't even realize that until the threat of them being taken away showed up. Mm-hmm. And she consciously realized that. Mm-hmm. Now we can, mm-hmm. right? and now we can do something about it. Amazing. Right? So there you go. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Well, it's just, there are these things where so many times people will say, kind of like you mentioned earlier, people will say, I know, I know, you're right, I just need to do this, I need to do this. But again, that's a block. It's letting it happen. It's, it's, It's understanding that there's something on the surface, but being scared to, dip your toe and you dip your toe and you realize it's a little cold, but like, you have to kind of dive in. You gotta, you gotta get your belly wet. You gotta get your head wet. You gotta get up. You have to dive in. And, and that might take time. And I think the hardest part is figuring out how to dive in. What is your mm-hmm. process? What does that look like? Um, and so for, for what we're talking about, so we're talking about, you know, that's one example. That's a huge example. I think that in life, people always want like one of three things. They either want like health, which I put weight loss into health. They want money or they want love, you know? So there's those three big things that people are always- I put money into health also. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I I wrote these things down. I was like, "Ah, I really want to talk about money and I want to talk about wealth and how to manifest career and all these things. But I know that so much of what we do, it, it can- the same plot process can be applied to any facet of your life. And mm-hmm. I think that really understanding, you know, a lot of the time that we don't have to necessarily have a bunch of things 
in order to make us feel better. It might feel like, oh, we can do this. That gives us a little bit of confidence. But really, at the end of the day, if you don't walk in, if you can't be dirt poor and walk into a room confident, the money's not going to change that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and obviously, we need to. What comes? Money. What comes with that? Actually, mm-hmm. is imposter syndrome. I promise you, if you think the partner's going to come, the job's going to come, the money's going to come, and all of a sudden you're going to be okay, I promise you, if that is not aligned with what's in your subconscious, you're going to feel imposter syndrome because at face value, you're going to seem like you have those things, but that unhappiness and that lack of feeling deserving doesn't go away until you do something with it. And and that's why with everything that you're saying, it, there is a thread amongst all of this because your, subcon- your subconscious mind associates anything that is unknown as pain and it wants to avoid it. And if that is even abundance, if abundance is unknown to you because you were not raised to think that money can come easily, if you're raised thinking you have to work hard and you have to struggle and all these other things, and then you're trying to manifest abundance, you're not going to be able to do it not how it works. You have to get in there. You have to get in and you have to upgrade that belief system. You have to get it aligned with you around your body, around how you view yourself, around your shame, around your worth, around your job, around your relationships, because we need to put that information in. We stop being directive with ourselves when we grow up. We just accept, we hear a voice in our head, oh, you're not gonna be able to do that. And we're like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to do that. And what if I do try and do that? And then my friends don't like me. And then what if I'm alone? And right, we start we wondering about- catastrophize. Right, we catastrophize everything. We pull from past experience and we project it onto the thing that's unknown in front of us because our subconscious does not have the tools to support us. So, but we are human beings. We have a prefrontal cortex. We are allowed to make decisions for ourselves. So even if you don't wanna do the subconscious work, don't overload your mind by spending time trying to figure out answers to things that you're not going to have the answers to because we're not psychic here. I mean, maybe some of your listeners are. I am not, but I do understand behavior. And I understand if we actually disrupt that thinking process and look for ways to troubleshoot and problem solve instead of letting our mind just be an incubator for all of our problems, then we can intellectually work our way out of our hole without attaching emotion to it. And that's the real gift that we have here. I wanted to ask a couple more questions selfishly. Yeah, of course. So um, (laughs) we we talked about, (laughs) I'm so excited, Um, but we talked about limiting beliefs. We talked about these things. Um, I want to hear some, even just like quick day-to-day examples for someone who is looking to start manifesting. Obviously, you know, they need to do the work. But for someone who is almost trying to get the buy-in to figure out, like, is this something I want to tap into? Is this something I want to invest time into? Is this bullshit, basically? Um, What are some things people can do? Like, can someone manifest finding $5 on the ground? Can someone manifest something that they can practice, you know, as soon as they're done listening to this podcast episode? What is something that might be a good tool or activity for them to do to start to tap into these things? Yeah. So, and so this is where I'm going to actually say the opposite of right manifest trying to find $5 on the ground. That's not what we're trying to do here. Is it nice to find $5 on the ground? Yeah, it is. Amanda, who's one of the other TBM coaches just found like a big bill on the ground the other day. It happens to me all the time. Random money was put into my account. 
but th that's not really the manifestation that's self-sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. That's like little things that happen that feel like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like I'm in a good spot. What we're doing with this work is really manifesting an aligned relationship with ourselves, so that we can call in the things in our life that we actually want and feel the deservingness to actually accept them, appreciate them and show up within them, right? So the biggest tip that I would have for people and listen, this is why you actually do need the work, not to be so sales pitchy about this, but because it's harder than it's going to sound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The key to manifestation is showing up as yourself, True. showing up authentically. Authenticity is key here. So people who are like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. What I would say is, do you feel that you're in the driver's seat of your life? Do you feel that you're actively shaping your life and making your life the way that you want it to? Or do you feel like your life is being presented to you and you're having to make certain decisions about it and that's how it works? Or do you feel even worse that your life is just happening to you and you're trying to keep up with it? Do you feel that you can show up truly as who you feel you are internally and have the people that you're sitting across from still see you, love you, and appreciate you? Or are you afraid to do that? Do you feel that you only show a piece of who you really are to your family because you're afraid that they're going to judge the things that you've created on your own? Do you feel when you go to work that you're lucky to have your position and you can't use your voice or set a boundary because you're going to get fired if you show up as who you really are? Because if you answered yes to those questions, you need to do work on yourself because we want to be able to show up authentically. And it's hard because this is what happens when we do. Uh -huh. Who does he think he is? Right? Or if they're not that aware, because that's a threat, right? It get, triggers people. And listen, I deal with this all the time. I would say throughout my whole life, before I even had self-esteem or self-worth, I dealt with this. Now it's like a whole other thing. Constantly people this and this and trying to keep me in a box and do whatever else and before i would feel sad about it and i'm like no 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 like you're welcome actually because you can do something for yourself with this or you can just keep projecting it onto me that's cool too but when we show up as ourselves it makes people have to look at themselves and people don't like that so it's much easier for them to be like who's Eliza think she is showing up like that and like inserting that opinion? What's going on with her? And then they talk to someone else about it to try yeah. and make, because they feel uncomfortable, like you did something wrong so that they can stay the same and you're the person who's just being disruptive and you must be going through something. Let me disrupt. Right. Versus being like, wow, it's really cool that Eliza didn't settle for the thing that she always settles for and she drew a line right? So people don't like that. And then they want to kind of get you to stay in their space, your space so they could stay in theirs. And that's why most people stay stuck versus showing up as you wherever you go. That is really the law of attraction. Being able to, this happened to me the other day, and I don't talk a lot about the manifestation piece, like even on my socials, because I'm much more focused on our relationship to ourselves. That's how I work with people. I'm like, what do you want to manifest? Cool. Now I don't want to talk about it for the next four sessions, right? Because but sometimes that's like what gets people to buy into the work. Oh, so totally. I'm but, like, we got to know. <laughs> no, fully. But I don't want to work with those people. Mm -hmm. That's just the truth. 
I, and, and I don't, right? We have, we have other coaches in the brand. We have this, if you are the person who's like, I want to manifest this thing and this and this, and that's all you want to talk about. I'm not your person because I'm going to make you put that other thing away. And I'm going to make you look at yourself until you are aligned with that thing. Uh-huh. That's how uh-huh. you manifest, right? It is a great motivation. Oh, I want the job. I want this. But if you're still projecting your worth outside of you, it's going to take you a lot longer. So have a little patience, trust the process, trust yourself, because we have all the answers we need. We know where we're not showing up correctly. We know when we wanted to say something. And the reason that we know that we know this is because after we don't do it, we complain to all of our friends about what happened to us and how they made us feel and next time I see them, I'm going to do this. And then it happens again. And we don't do that again. And then we complain again. Right. So we know how we actually want to actively show up in our life, but we don't. And that's where I really like to focus the attention when I work with people for manifestation. But what my point was, was this, I manifest constantly, right? I'm working on a book right now. I have a TV show that's uh, in creation that's happening that literally fell into my lap. I have a friend's label who's releasing my record that literally fell into my lap. I went into the other day to buy jeans, went into Levi's, two people in line in front of us. She's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. We dropped all this money at Levi's. And the girl goes, didn't say this to anybody else. Oh, blah, blah, because we were just showed up as ourselves. She was like happy to be a crossmas, had good energy, whatever. And she's like, what's your email? She's like, if you give me your email, I can, get, I can give you 20% off of your order. We got $200 off of our order. Then we went across and we found the terrarium for a hundred and something dollars we were looking for. Then we went to Air One to buy groceries and the guy who who, um, does the valet there, which I don't do because I don't think anyone needs to valet their car at a grocery (laughs) store, but that's LA for you. Um, So we park our car ourselves, but always nice to everybody and like, how are you? Blah, 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 because people treat them badly and they're all really nice people. And so the guy runs out a couple days ago and it's like, I have a treat for you. And I just went, kept walking to my car. Cause I, I was like, certainly not talking to me. Like I'm just walking to my car from the food store. Yeah. And the guy runs out with a bag of stuff. He brings me these like keto desserts that cost like $17. And he brings me two like seltzers. And he's like, I just wanted to give this to you. Cause you're always so kind to us. Uh. So when I say show up as yourself, if you're not ready to do the work yet, That's what happens with the right people. But the wrong people that you may have around you are going to have a real fucking problem with it. (laughs) So be aware of that. Well, when you, you mentioned like you're, you're saying you're manifesting constantly. It's also you're observant of that. And the more it happens, the more it happens. And I think that the recognition of, you know, it does feed into how you're showing up. Like this guy sends you seltzers and these cute desserts. It, of course, you're going to, your vibration is going to be a little higher. That's awesome. That's, that makes you happy. Um, and I think that it's also fair to say it, you don't always have to manifest these massive things. Sometimes it starts small and you recognize these things. And I think that everyone's, like you said, everyone is manifesting. So observe some of the things that may have happened when you were, you know, when you just have these like really good days, you're like, oh my God, I had a really good day. They paid for my coffee. I didn't even know you know, all these things. And it's because of your vibe. And for women, they're like, oh, I'm ovulating. So they're, you know, like a super bountiful and their pheromones and whatever. But um, it could just be the way that you are showing up and it doesn't have to be like that all the time. So that's, that's what I also wanted to ask you. Like, what are some things that you have actually manifested in your life that you, so after you started doing the work, you, you had 
really figured out your blocks, your inner child, you have done some work. And was there anything specific that you like wrote down on paper that you almost thought was unrealistic? I mean, obviously you didn't think it was unrealistic because you manifested it, but, and then it show up in an avant-garde type of way that you wouldn't have expected. Yeah, lots of things. And and to be honest with you, I don't think anything is unrealistic. I yeah. think, and that's the thing here, this isn't magic. So I yeah. just, like anyone who thinks this is woo-woo, it's not, right? No, this, I agree. It's not, this is a very actionable, I can't say all manifestation is, I, to be honest, I think a lot of it is bullshit, but our manifestation process is rooted in science, psychology, action, that's how you manifest right? You get in, you deal with all of this stuff. So for me personally, I don't think anything is impossible. I know I always have an opportunity to try and do the internal work I need to, to fix that belief system, to upgrade that belief system, to align with these things. And I just to kind of go back to your point about when things randomly happen to you, I want people to think about that for a moment. And I promise you 90% of the time, those things happen to you when you're completely in your body, when you're completely present, connected in yourself, and in turn, you're connecting with the world outside of you. That's when people show up to help. And I'd be curious what people are kind of thinking about right now, because that's what I've noticed the most with people. Can right? I give you an example? Yeah. And everyone listening. So I went to... I have been feeling very stuck in Charleston. I've been feeling a little bit of um, a rut. And I was like, oh, maybe it's a magic dark because I'm trying to use the lingo. And I, anyway, so I just was in a bit of a weird space and I pulled the trigger on a trip to Arizona, which is like my happy place in the world. I love it so much. I, I, I just love it. I feel my most authentic self there and it just fits me. And I went, I bought myself an Airbnb. I rented a car. I spent money on this trip that I was not nervous about. I wasn't like, who cares if I use a little bit of savings? I don't care. I was like, this is what's going to feed my soul. And, but I didn't put any expectations on it. Like I didn't make a bunch of plans. I was like, I'm going to take myself out to dinner. I don't have to do anything crazy. And I went and I'm not kidding you. And of course it's Arizona. They don't have daylight savings. So there's so much sunlight and there's so much, you know, my Jufro was just going, it was so happy. And I just <laughs> felt like so in line. My work was going well. I wanted to work and I was just so happy. And I come back and of course, like I'm, you know, getting my feet back on the ground. And I was like, clients have been slow this month. I was having a really slow month with clients. And then I a couple days later, had a really good call with a client and it wasn't a new client, but it was someone who was just catching up with me, letting me know that they've lost like 7% body fat. They've never felt better. They were like, I'm so excited to sustain this after we stop working together. And that was what I was like, Whoa, I was, so I literally get goosebumps because that's the whole goal is it's not a diet. You know, I want them to feel yeah. good once we start, stop working together. And I show up to coach a couple of clients, um, at the personal training studio that I'm at. And I, didn't have my phone on me the entire time. I listened to every word they said with genuine curiosity. I was laughing at their jokes because I was like, happy to be here. I'm not worried about any, it, it's something about the day. I walk out and someone who runs the building that we rent space from, I never speak to him. We have a text chain when the alarm goes off, you know, nothing crazy. Yeah. He's like, hey, Eliza, did not know this guy knew my name. 
And I was like, oh, hello. And <laughs> he goes, I've been meaning to talk to you about, and he's like this fabulous, beautiful man. He's great. And I, he's like, I've been meaning to talk to you. And I thought it was about, you know, how I cleaned up or I didn't set the alarm one night. And he was like, about nutrition. And I was like, mm. and cause I just, I was like, <laughs> I, I was, I was armed with this testimonial that I had just gotten from another man. And I rarely work with men the day before I got this amazing testimonial of something that ex was exactly his pain point. And I was like, book with me right now. Let's do this. So we booked, got it all set. And he's like going to sign up on Monday. And Amazing. it was, and it was one of those things where everything fell in line. And as soon as I went back, I got three bookings for the podcast that were people that I have never in my life thought I would get on the podcast. Like these y'all will hear soon, but it blew my mind. This was all happening in one day. And I journaled the next day. I go, not everything has to be that perfect for me to be this happy, but those two things were not coincidence. And it just like was No, so but the fun. thing is, you fell in line. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. They didn't fall in line. You fell in line and you showed up as you without the insecurity, without the lack of deservingness, without the idea of impossibility. You just showed up to connect. And that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And I didn't put any pressure on it. No nope. pressure. No, we can't control the timelines. We can't control the way that things up. People are like, I want to manifest a boyfriend and it has to happen by my sister's wedding in February. It's like, well, <laughs> good luck. Right? Swipe left, buddy. If you can let everyone know where they can find you and also if you guys have anything happening um, on To Be Magnetic that we should know about. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So lots of things. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Atara Valentine, and I guess like there'll be show notes or something like that. Yes. Um, I actually share a ton of free advice, tips, resources, almost daily on my social media channels. So that's one thing. No, truly, y'all do, do not sleep on the Instagram. I genuinely watch your videos the whole way through. There, you, you provide a lot of tangible I, value. Yeah, I try to because here's the thing, like I'm, lucky in the position that I am or blessed or whatever you want to call it. I'm not even going to say I'm lucky because I've created this myself, but I'm fortunate that during what has been in some ways the hardest year that most of us in the world have experienced, hardest of couple of years, I've really been able to take everything that I went through in my life and help other people and get to the point where I'm in the best point of my life at the other end of this. And I feel so grateful for that. And I'm fully aware that there are still people who are financially struggling because of what's going on in the world. And they need help just as much as anybody else does, if not more. So on my social media, I really make a point to do videos, post memes that I write all myself, just for little things, tips that people can use to integrate into their lives now to make their life better. I share lots of free exercises on there for people to do journal prompts, free writing exercises. So I highly recommend that. Um, I also want to say that I designed a free workshop for it to be magnetic. That's called the extra layers. I'll send you the link uh, for that. Yeah, that I'll put has, it in the show notes. Yeah, that has a DI that's called the free DI for you to release anything that you're holding on to through hypnosis. And then 
integrate qualities that you actually want to possess. There's also a DI called soothe if you're going through any stress, dealing with anxiety, panic, just anything that's happening in the world. And it's affirmation based, but they're affirmations that are administered in hypnosis. So they actually get into your subconscious. Um, so that is a free resource that you can use as well. And just on behalf of the brand, we wanted to offer the code expanded, all capitals, for $20 off your first month of the Pathway membership. Uh, if you wanted to sign up for that, we'll have a resource to all of our tools. And lastly, um, just until the end of August, if anybody would like to book a session with me, um, you can use the code MANIFEST100100 in all caps, and that will give you $100 off the session. I am booked out until December, but the code will still work, and I would love to see you then. Okay, good. I'm using it. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for your time. You have been absolutely wonderful and valuable, and I'm just so happy to know you. And um, I know everyone's going to love this episode, and we'll have to do it again. Awesome. I'm here for it. And thank you for having me. Of course. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I know you all absolutely loved it. Make sure to take a quick screenshot of however you're listening to the podcast. If you are listening on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever, it would mean the world. Take a quick screenshot or let us know that you're listening. Share it on your social and let's help grow the podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, share, and review the podcast so that we can show up a little higher on iTunes, a little higher on Spotify, and really get this word out there. I hope you guys enjoyed and we will talk to you all next week.